0: Good morning. I can tell I'm on. Um, (laughs) I just decided to spill coffee on myself this morning, too, just to humble myself a little bit before you on my new shirt. Big coffee stain right there. And then, as I was leaving this morning, my daughter always imparts words of wisdom to me. And she said, Mom, she said, You just have to remember that you have to wear your glasses because you can't see anymore. So I said, Okay. Put my glasses on. We're covered. Um, My name's Leanne Berta, and I have had the joy to be in LAMBS for many, many years now, and so happy to be up here today, even though I was telling my group I really missed them a lot this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. So um, bow with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for your words. Lord, may you speak through me. May you pour. Your spirit out on every lady here, Lord, because that is the beauty of you that you will speak to each one of us individually exactly what we need to hear at the exact moment that we need it. So pray for me. I pray for myself, Lord, that I would just calm my spirit and just say what you've told me to say in Christ's name. Amen. So I am happy to be here with you. Um, I will confess I have written this several times and it's evolved. When uh, Last summer, when we were deciding on what study we were going to do and how we were going to break it out, I was assigned the breastplate of righteousness. And so I've been thinking about this since June, July, and then really started working on it in September. So it has evolved. And I will tell you, this is a hard topic to speak on because it's big and it's broad and yet so important for our day-to-day living. So the question for me was, which direction do I go to give fresh, fresh perspective, but yet encourage all of us in our day-to-day? And you know, I had it somewhat thought out in my mind, and then two weeks ago, I had a friend whose husband died in a tragic gun accident. Many of you may know this sweet family. Um, Andy and Kim used to go to Providence. His funeral was actually here. He was 44 years old, and he died. And it was, a, it was an accident, tragic accident. And then I thought, okay, now what do I do with this? Because this is a family that I know and that I've admired. And, you know, as the days went on, the one thing I kept hearing over and over from people who know them even better than myself was this a man, this was a holy man. This was a man who loved Jesus, poured his life out, it was evident in his work, in his marriage in his life. And I thought, okay. So the testimony of the work of Jesus in his life was on display at his funeral. And that's just what kept being said about him. He was a man of God who loved Jesus and lived it out even in his short life. And then the Sunday I was here at church for a retirement party for Bob Stansel, who served here over 20 years. And Ann's been my mentor for Ten-plus years. And just the words that were used at his retirement party were words like, he was kind, he is kind, and humble, and don't forward this link to him, and gentle, (laughs) and wise, and encourager, points all the fame back to Jesus. Not self, valued, loving, patient. Just all of these words that you want said about you. And so it really calls me to pause and introspectively think, Well, what would people say about me? Or what would people say about you? So what are we living for? Because here's what we do know. Eternity is written on every man's heart. The Bible tells us that. So we all pause and we ask these questions. Who am I living for? What am I living for? And why am I living? And so that's kind of where we're going to focus in today. Priscilla walked us through the various types of righteousness last week. And what they mean. And this week we come down to this one question that can really define the trajectory of our life. How then, knowing and understanding our righteousness is a free gift given to us us through Jesus Christ. How then will we live? How then will we live differently? How then will we love others? How then will we tell others? And how will we respond when the enemy attacks? Because the enemy is going to attack you if you have the Spirit. But through Christ, the pardoned sinner becomes fruitful in good works. And by looking to and trusting in the Savior's righteousness, he finds his feet set in the ways of his steps. Righteousness is a sure guide, both in meeting God and in following him. And that's a quote from Matthew Henry that I absolutely loved. And just because I like word studies, I just thought I'd throw in a little Hebrew and Greek for you. And the Old Testament word for righteousness is spelled out. I won't say it. And it refers to being straight, in opposition to being crooked. That which is right, in opposition to that which is wrong. And then the Greek word, which is dikaiou, is to declare righteous. It doesn't mean to make righteous, but it declares you righteous. That's the word that's used in the New Testament. So listen to Romans 3, 21 through 28. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short, being freely justified by his grace through the redemption of Christ, whom God set forth a propitiate. I cannot say that word, propitiation, a mercy seat, by the application of satisfaction of God's wrath, God sent him by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because of his patience. God has passed over the sin that we committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. You are declared righteous by the power of Jesus through his death on the cross. And that in faith you receive him. I love this quote by this man. I, I've read him. His name's Alban McLean. He's an, he's an old pastor. He's, he's lived many years before us. But this is a great summary of what Priscilla was saying to us last week. The gospel is the power of God for salvation because in the gospel is a revelation. And that revelation is a manifestation of the righteousness of God. That is the reason the gospel has the power to save a sinner. Man has no righteousness, but God in the gospel has provided a righteousness. And he gives that to men if only he will take it. This fact makes Christianity different than any other religion the world has ever seen. Every great scheme to save men has failed on just one point. Its success depends on man's righteousness, when in reality there's no righteousness in man. Christianity attacks the problem at this point of righteousness. It recognizes that man has none and then brings the righteousness of God and clothes that man in the righteousness and saves him. And then one other point last week is a final summary. We touched briefly on Abraham and his righteousness and how it was credited to him because at that point Christ had not come. But through his belief... It was credited to him, and uh, the Bible says he was deemed righteous. So here we get to this concept of belief, and I just have to stop and pause and say, what do you believe? I mean, that's what it comes down to in our life. Do you believe that Jesus Christ came? Do you believe he lived a perfect life and willingly chose death on the cross to be the sacrifice for our sins once and for all? Do you believe this? Do you believe he rose from the dead? And through your belief, your eternal life is secure. Because if you believe this, then you have imputed righteousness on you, in you, through you. You have the Spirit. Romans 1, 16 through 18 talks about that. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of salvation to anyone who believes. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, and the righteous shall live by it. So stop there and ask yourself, is this what you believe? If you have not believed, excuse me, if you have believed in Jesus, you have been imputed this righteousness. It is for once, and it covers you for your life. You can rest assured in that. There is security in knowing you do not have to continually earn this. It's been given. So now we get to the matter of how do we live out the beauty of this righteousness, this holy living in our day-to-day like we discussed in our small groups. If we inherently aren't righteous but have been giving it, then how do we live as holy people? There's so many points you can make, but I honed in on three because I don't have a lot of time. But these are the three that really stood out to me the most. And the first one on your outline is this. The three, reach, three reasons righteousness should matter to believers and how it will reshape our thinking and our day-to-day. The first one is the righteousness of God is important because it shows everything he says is truth. If Jesus' sacrifice on the cross shows the love he exhibits to his people and the foundation of eternal life it brings to us, then it gives us a sure foundation to believe everything he says is absolute truth. Look at the verses I, I wrote down. All scripture is breathed out. It's profitable for many things. And then he says for training in righteousness. Proverbs 30. For every word God, every word of God proves true. You know, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that this point would have probably jumped off the page at me five years ago. But don't we live in a world now where truth is skewed? I mean, it really is, isn't it? Um, I mean, you know, we're all on some form of social media. I mean, everybody has an opinion. The problem now is a lot of people who claim Jesus, who say that their followers are Jesus, are also saying things that go against truth. I mean, these are people we like. These are blogs we like to listen to. These are books we've read and we laugh Me too. And then all of a sudden you start reading something and you're like, hmm, not sure that lines up. So no no matter how enticing and funny or how big of a platform someone has that we like, if it doesn't line up with truth, then it's dangerous. And that's what we need to remember as women of truth. You know, I'm sure you've seen this float around the internet or Facebook or wherever. Beth, the Beth Moore quote a couple of weeks ago, she was at the Passion Conference. Passion Conference is a conference for college students all over the world. And she stood up and she had to give a charge as, as these hundreds of thousands of college students went out. And this is what she said. You will watch a generation of Christians, of Christians, set the Bible aside in an attempt to become more like Jesus. And stunningly, it will sound completely plausible. This will be perhaps the cleverest of all the devil schemes in your generation, in our generation. Sacrifice truth for love's sake, and you will rise and fall based on whether you will sacrifice one for the other. Will we have the courage to live in the tension of truth and love? And That was the point she was trying to make. We have to be on guard with truth. Because, listen, I can sometimes read things and I'm like, well, that's a really good argument for that. But then I gotta hold it against the scripture and I gotta say, ah, it's just not lining up. So truth. That's what I said earlier. The righteousness of God shows that everything He says is truth. And then the next bullet point: God's righteousness removes any possible means to which or by which we can boast in our own selves. And our own talents, our own wealth, our own position, our own status, our own works. It's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy to get puffed up. I mean, I could give you a thousand ways that I could get puffed up. But the reality is God's righteousness removes any possibility of that in my own life. And we'll go back to Romans 3 as we read earlier. But we stopped at verse 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what? Law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds. And then Ephesians 2, 8, 9, so that no man may boast. And then Jeremiah 9, 23, 24, that's my favorite. If you're going to boast in anything, boast in Jesus Christ. Don't boast in your wealth. Don't boast in how great you are. Boast in him. And then our third bullet point. It proves to us that he loves us deeply, a deep deep abiding love. Titus three, four through seven says, But when the kindness of the but when the kindness and the love of God love that, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out onto us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That having been declared righteous by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What a beautiful reminder that he loves us deeply. And then some application points that I think are really important for us. I always like, okay, what, 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 Lord, what can I take away from this? And this was a hard one to write, but I think it's something we need to talk about. We need to be very sensitive to our sin. It's so easy to skirt over the fact that we may have sin in our life that we need to deal with. I remember when I was writing this, I was just praying over and over. I just felt like there's just the same sin pattern in my life, and I just don't want it there anymore. Like Paul says, I do what I know I shouldn't do, and yet we still do it. We need to be sensitive to sin in our lives. And I love where 1 John says, um, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. See, that's the beauty of this practical righteousness we talked about today. Jesus is not going to leave us once we receive him. He's going to carry us through day by day, step by step. It's an ongoing process. And then in being sensitive to our sin, we also need to make wise choices. We have everything we need to make wise choices. The proverb I mean, you could really just read the whole book of Proverbs, right? It's all about wisdom. But I love this one in Proverbs 4, 6, where it says, Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. And we're, we're talking about arming ourselves this year, arming ourselves with the breastplate of righteousness. Wisdom will protect you, but you have to put it on. You have to exercise it. You have to make wise choices. And then I think another important part is we need to have accountability in our lives. I think one great friend can bring this to you. If, if you have many, that's great. But David had Jonathan. We need to stir each other up in love and good works, as Hebrews 10 24 says. You need to have people in your life praying for you. You need to have people in your life who can gently correct you when it's time. And I would just tell you if you don't have that today, don't leave discouraged. Pray that the Lord would send you one, one person. I, I have a great prayer group, accountability group. We meet a couple times a month. and I mean, I think I can speak for a lot of them when my phone starts blowing up with prayer requests. I get excited because it's like, yes, we're getting real. We're, We're praying for each other. We're holding each other accountable. It's a beautiful thing. But if you don't have it, don't be discouraged. Pray. You need one. And so then the question comes, what are you facing? And let's be honest. We are all dealing with something, aren't we? We're also living in a world where everybody's angry about something. We've got ISIS, we've got cancer, we've got death, we've got divorce. People are leaving the church. Social issues are splitting the church. I don't need to name them. We all know what they are. There's so much division. And now more than ever, we need this message of this practical righteousness. And the reason we need it is because it isn't just for our right living. It's so others can see Christ through us. We, if we can live a life honoring and glorifying to Jesus Christ and then let the world see him through us, they will see this sure, true foundation to build their life. I was having a conversation with the lady in our life class just Sunday, and she said, why didn't anybody tell me this 40 years ago? I mean, it was like a real desperation. Like, I, wish I, would, I wish somebody would have told me this. 40 years ago when I needed it then. Somebody in your life needs to hear the gospel of Jesus. And I would encourage you, if you don't think that you have someone in your life who who isn't a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you to pray and step out of your comfort zone and find someone. Because this world is dying and they don't know Jesus. I want to tell you this story. Um, This story really hit me. I I like to listen to podcasts. I especially like to listen to them at the Y because I don't like the elliptical. And um, see, it gets me through it um, quicker. But uh, I really enjoy Voice of the Martyrs podcast. And um, it, for those of you who know, Voice of the Martyrs is, or don't know, it's, it's an organization that aids the persecuted Christians all over the world. And it is a great, great website. It's a great podcast. It's hard to listen to. Because it makes you think, wow, I'm not suffering at all. But I listen to it. And this particular podcast really hit me. It was a couple of months ago I was on the elliptical and I was listening to it. And, I mean, I couldn't get off the elli- I mean, I wanted to get off the elliptical, but I wanted to finish this podcast. So it really does get you to exercise longer if you stay on it. and. um And it was about this, uh, one of the directors at Voice of the Martyrs, he is uh, one of the radio hosts, and he had just gotten back from Iraq last summer, and he told the story of this man that he met who is now a Christian and is really helping to spread the message of of Christianity in Iraq. But he he went on to tell the story, the man who's the radio host for the show, And he said that when he got there and he met this man, this man sat down with him, and and he had been a drug addict for 20 years. And I did not realize this, but drugs are a really big problem in a lot of these Iraqi countries. There's not a lot of economy, ISIS, a lot of these really heavy groups for the Muslim faith or suppress a lot of these areas and control it. So naturally, in areas that are more run down, drugs become more prominent. He had been a drug addict for 20 years. Could not shake it. Could not break free from it. He had tried and tried and tried. And he was married and he had a couple kids. And one night he went to bed and Jesus appeared to him in a dream. And let me just stop there. I know this isn't common here, but in in Muslim countries, it is very common for Jesus to appear to people in a dream. And so this man said, Jesus came to him and said, what do you want from me? And, and this Muslim man said, I, I want to be free of drugs. And the man said, uh, or and Jesus said, when you wake up, you'll be free forever. No cravings, nothing. The man woke up, he was free. I mean, imagine that 20 years you suffered with this and you wake up and not only are you free, but you have no craving. For drugs. So, of course, he went and told his family. His family saw this change. He converted to Christianity. He started spreading the message of Jesus all over his region. And he was arrested and he was thrown in prison. It's pretty severely beaten. And uh, I didn't know this either, but they also have areas in these Iraqi prisons where if you are a drug addict and you're in prison, they put you in a separate ward. And you can continue to use drugs. And and I don't understand it, but anyway. So not only did he get thrown in prison, they threw him in the prison area where everybody was on drugs. So, you know, like, oh, well, let's just tempt him. Let's just let him fall, and this whole message of his Jesus won't really matter. Well, he never stumbled. What he did is he ended up leading these men to Christ because they said, how are you the way you are? How do you have this message of hope? And the man was able to say, it's Jesus Christ. And he would tell him his story. And so all these men in prison were converting. So then the prison guards were like, what in the world? So they got mad. So then they move him to death row. Just They're like, well, we can't put him on death row, but we'll just move him there because everybody's getting ready to die anyway. So they move him to death row. And guess what? He starts converting all these men who were hours and days away. From being executed their whole life, they've been Muslim and now converted. He eventually served out his sentence. They didn't know what to do with him. So they just left him in death row just to keep him as isolated as he could. The message of the gospel went out because they saw Jesus lived out. That's the practical righteousness. So then he got out of prison, and now he goes around and he's spreading. He creates these pods all over the country to try to start these home churches. And so he was telling this story to this man at Voice of the Martyrs. And I heard it and I thought, isn't that interesting? How what we think would be something really terrible, this persecution that he has on his life, Jesus was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to use it for my fame. So the question that they kept asking him in prison is, how are you the way you are? And all he could say was the blood of Jesus. So God uses your righteousness not just to sanctify you, but to represent him. So suffering's going to come too. And that's one thing this man talked about in this podcast. He said the enemy is just that. He's your enemy. So if you aren't girded up with Christ's holiness, even in our day-to-day, you're going to be weakened. So are you girded up? Are you carrying around this gift every day for not just you, but for others? I love Isaiah forty three nineteen, where it says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In this verse, there's a reference to greater things. The redemption of sinners by Christ, the conversion of Gentiles, the recall of the Jews and are described. All of that is to be done to rescue sinners and to br- to bring the believer to glory little by little through the wondrous works of love through Jesus. So my encouragement to you today is this. It will be so much easier to face every single day with God's righteousness covering you. It's like a robe. You know, like we talk about, I have this really... I mean, it's kind of ugly, but I love it. It's like this red robe, but it's like this orangey red. And I put it on every day. It's just my comfort. It's warm. It's fuzzy. It's like, think about it like this every day. Are you putting it on? Are you going out into the world who does not know Jesus? And then think about this. You have the power through Jesus Christ to stand with confidence and grace to tackle tomorrow. He will give you exactly what you need for the moment. I know a lot of you personally in this room, I know that we are all struggling in a lot of different areas of our life. I've had two friends call me this week and tell me they're going through a divorce. They're getting separated. We all have something major that we're dealing with. And I would just implore you to go back to these truths in this practical righteousness and trust in Jesus and all your circumstances. When you're faced with the situation where you don't know what truth is and when you're confused on what it may be or your children or your family, go back to what we said. Truth comes from God's word, and you can rest in that. Go back and remember the most important thing is that he has loved you so deeply that he willingly went to the cross for us. When you have this truth to stand on, God's righteousness covering you like this robe and a passion to share his love, he will be with you just like he was with that man in prison. And look what happened when that man stepped out in faith, a convert. Can you imagine being in Iraq and converting? You're probably very lonely. So when you step out in God's righteousness covering you and a passion to share his love, He will be with you. There's one thing I tell my kids every single day. I'm like, go out and change the world today. Yeah, they're going to kindergarten. They're going to second grade. But it's like, like building them up. Or maybe I'm setting them up to fail. I don't know. But um, I was like, go out and change the world today. But they know what I mean. Because then I say, arm yourself with the gospel of Jesus Christ and walk in his holiness. So that is my plea and desire for us today. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the messages all around the world that remind us to stand in the truth, even if the enemy comes and attacks us. We have your spirit in us, Lord. And Father, I just pray that you would place one person on every woman's heart today, one person that they can go and tell the good news or they can continue to show love to a person who needs it more than anything in this world right now. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you gave freely so that we could live. Thank you that in wearing your righteousness, we are your representation. We are your ambassadors to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray all this in your strong name. Amen.